everybody out there in dreamland. This is Rumors of War. Okay, now we're rolling. Now we got it all synced up. Audio. The mic is recording. All right. Everybody out there in dreamland, this is Rumors of Instinct 1987. Thank you all very much for tuning back in. Today, we're going to be, I guess, doing the first, the pilot episode of this new segment that I kind of very interested in running. Because I guess I want to kind of like divvy up the um, uh, responsibilities for each episode. You know, specialize each one so that this beginning of the week episode will be handling all the news of the last week and of the weekend. Uh, kind of ensuring your your week, you know, your week of reflection and existence, you know, with the relevant topics that I find interesting. Hopefully you will too. Um, there'll be shorter form episodes ranging anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, but I'll try to like, you know, abbreviate, summarize, and I get it, I'm a little long-winded and everything like that, and I'm in my seat, it's like, like, she, it's easy for me to speak for about an hour on any subject that I really find interesting, because, exactly, I'm a very expressive and a very, um, um, detail-oriented and things like that, I can elaborate on things very, uh, very, very fluently, so, it's, like I said, it, to me, it feels like it goes by, like, in an instant. It feels like it's just... So when you hear my interviews and everything, it's like, you know, time flies when you're having fun. So, um, this is going to be the new segment. Namaste and shalom, everyone out there. Iron sharpens iron. Greetings to everyone out there in Dreamland. If you're a longtime uh, viewer and supporter, I definitely appreciate, um, you know, your commitment and your... Uh, you being in the audience and everything, I totally appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, please like and subscribe. If you haven't already subscribed yet, this is what I was getting at. If you're a new viewer and everything, this is, uh, you know, the YouTube channel. And you can also find the podcast, which I am synchron... Uh, you know, I'm also... I'm simultaneously recording as well. And hopefully going to be uh, synchronizing the releases of podcast episodes and YouTube videos uh, to cover both platforms. So definitely catches out on spotify anchor um, is the main source of upload so it uploads to many different uh platforms google podcast is a big one um itunes apple podcast um you know the various others just google rumors of instinct and it'll bring it up in many different uh forms so definitely also do that google uh, rumors of instinct because it helps out my uh, digital footprint and helps out the whole interaction search engine and everything and definitely share this video with anyone you might think would appreciate it, profit from it, or, uh, you know, is also like myself and wishes to collaborate and communicate with people, forming a community that we would, that we would call, like, I guess you call the second wave, the new generation, the, the uh, post-truth community, because I guess you call it the truth community, really kind of flourished the last decade. From the, guess you call it, the election of George Bush in 2000. That was the beginning of the millennia's um, truth movement. And um, yes, the truth movement has existed uh, in always, basically, as political commentary as political satire, as uh, legitimate conspiracy theory with inside nations uh, for political agendas of various, you know, times and circumstances and places and people 
uh, basically, though, suspicion and uh, paranoia of the state and of others <clears throat> is universal and is uh, basically human nature. It's not unjustified. Remember, you're not paranoid if they are really trying to get you. And because they, we come from the Cold War, that is actually our circumstance. Our reality is that there is a huge shadow apparatus of intelligence agencies and various things like psychological warfare operations, uh, deep undercover um, state apparatuses like, say, the Soviet Union's intelligence operations inside the United States being multi-generational and you would have children born in the United States specifically because they were, their parents were Soviet agents, you know, so that this is something that people are born into multi-generationally now. Absolutely reality, absolutely the fact, yes, it is the espionage angle, yes, it is uh, very much the cloak and dagger aspect of the real world. But that is, you know, what we're born into. And the 90s was after the fall of the Soviet Union, a place where the conspiracy theory and paranoia was was then, I guess you call it, made more marginalized because it didn't have the, the legitimization of, of a real Cold War apparatus, like a real like circumstance where there was a Cold War. Um, you know, it was considered a relic of paranoia, a relic of, uh, of distrust, almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, for, uh, you know, that generation, those generations of people who had to be born into it, the, the, the duck and cover generation, the bunker generation of people who are represented, say, for example, in fallout culturally, you know, like they really did build nuclear fallout shelters in their backyard in suburbia and that was sponsored and promoted by the state as a responsible thing to do so in the 90s they were phasing out that way of thinking because the new world order way of thinking was a united uh, politically demonstrably more egalitarian and moving away from the mutually assured destruction level of, of world balance and into more of like a, a uh, nation of uh, state-sponsored charity. <coughs> Excuse me. Nation of state-sponsored charity. And so um, basically the conspiracy theorists of the 90s, the Bill Coopers, your Phil Schneiders, uh, Tex Mars is, you know, those were anti-New World Order conspiracy theorists. And that was ultimately their mission and their goal. After 2000, after 9-11, after the George Bush uh, fiasco, the question of conspiracy became more of... Um, you know, it became incredibly censored. And it became more about uh, distrust of the monolithic Americans' government and the American system, much the same way that it was leading up to, for example, with the tradition of those 90s uh, conspiracy theorists. Say, for example, people started reinvestigating Timothy McVeigh and the Waco incident that led to the Oklahoma City bombing and the FBI ATF involvement with that, the Clinton involvement with that and the idea of radicalization of militias, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you see how it was very much just a domestic, uh, domestically focused apparatus. 
after 9-11, it became more of a, a uh, very radicalized, became very radicalized, and it became very much an aggressive political stance to be uh, considered a conspiracy theorist. That there was no idea of just becoming a regular citizen and also holding to alternative radicalizing they thought it was radicalizing views and I know that that's a pull, that's a state that's a term used often to describe terrorism that people are radicalized right because this is what I'm saying that the environment was that politically if you were say in in entered into initiated into the world of conspiracies via 9-11 truthers right you know in 9-11 was an inside job uh where the towers go you start researching 9-11 truth you were in the 2000 to 2010 era considered kind of a radical you were considered kind of someone who was maybe dangerous and and more likely suffered from some kind of deep disgruntled disturbance of your psyche or of your life well-being you weren't allowed to be a regular person you weren't allowed to just be a valued human being right your political agenda your political uh affiliation because this was a highly politically charged time uh post 9-11 was everything you'll understand what i'm saying is that after obama was elected things were still that way but coincidentally started with this idea of the Arab Spring. Um, that's best known as the Arab Spring, but it was this global revolution type idea that it was okay then legitimately once again to be a conspiracy theorist as long as it was a conspiracy theorist. Not so much against the New World Order, but against specific things inside the New World Order without seeing the bigger picture. It was okay to say, for example, say that the war on drugs was evil and corrupt and it was actually the cia's fault to begin with see it was okay to explore those avenues of reality it was okay to enlighten oneself to that as long as you were like only limiting to that like you didn't understand there was a world uh new world order type control system based on psychedelic experience the awakening of the conscience as well as the uh, commitment to international police forces such as Interpol and the FBI's international task force, the DEA operating internationally, um, and et cetera, et cetera. Like it was okay to focus on uh, the the one percent. That was a big thing. People forget that the one percent movement, the pro Occupy Wall Street movement, was huge. It was okay to be radical and a conspiracy theorist as long as you legitimize it through academia and through socialism and through this idea of like you know right now for example the idea of wokeness very reminiscent to the beginning of 2010 2011 where people were like i'm woke because i'm targeting certain aspects of uh individual suppression of uh, rights and things like that as well as, um, you know, actualizing my belief, actualizing my position, expressing my opinion, but I'm keeping it very populist and I'm not really rocking the boat too, too much when it comes to the New World Order's propaganda, right? So, that's around 2010. That's the attitude that's currently being held right now. So you see how, you know, 
it, more things change, the more they stay the same. And in some ways, it's how it's always been. Fast forward, 2010-2014. I personally am becoming woke, quote-unquote, to the conspiracy world, to the reality of um, the obscure, the fringe, the, the, the world of truthers and truth communities and conspiracies. And definitely, this was a time of much activity. 2012 had just occurred, but didn't really happen, like, because it was at the December of 2012 where the, the Aztec doomsday, which was prophesied, uh, failed to occur. And that basically, it woke me up because I realized that there was actually a lot to it, a lot to what they were suggesting has happened. Like, you know, like the idea of uh, the ancient aliens, the, the idea of uh, prophecies, the idea of uh, the power of these of these um, historical revisionisms and these movements, and I became very, very interested in it. Um, I saw the human, I saw the human impact on it. I saw the human power of it, right? The spiritual power of it. Now, in two thousand four, you know, obviously, being young, you're very self-involved. So if it doesn't really affect your life or your dreams or your plans, you don't really care. So this is like when you first start opening your eyes to it, it's because the light is very bright and you're very curious. And so you start watching it. Um, I realized that the celebrity, the celebrity, the legacy, the fame, the career the impact, the reach of these conspiracy theories channels, of these cons conspiracy theorists themselves, was very temporary and temporal. So that the truth is really the focus. But the truth is really the focus. These subjects are the focus. And there have been close to a hundred, I want to say easily a hundred, channels of content creators and uh, conspiracy theorists and intellectuals that I myself have watched, uh, enjoyed, you know, cherished, absolutely uh, would recommend. If I could remember them, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, if I could actually remember the the the, the names, the creators. Sometimes their channels are closed down; they're lost to history. Sometimes they're they close down their own channels for various reasons. Sometimes they uh, are just lost through the 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 movements of time, the sands, to the hourglass, to history, into obscurity. But one of the channels I remember watching was Jeff was Jeff C's, uh, and this is what this is about: uh, Jeff C's death, right? And, and so, um, one of the channels I watched was New World Agenda. Around 2015, 2016, I know, especially around 2016, I was very interested in, in New World Agenda, right? So this is like two years into watching YouTube. Um, two years into, because at first all I did was watch music videos and shit like that on YouTube. Like, you know, it was obviously just like for TV episodes and things like that. Um, 
and then it started becoming more of like the information, the documentaries, things like that, the, the conspiracy theory channels. And at the time, the most popular, I remember the most, my favorite conspiracy channel was stuff they don't want you to know. The videos are roughly four minutes long on average. Very tight little, very little like, hey, here's little windows of possibility. So I was at that level, just getting spoon-fed little, 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 um, morsels of truth and then going and researching them later and i was very much focused to real true crime and real um conspiracies involving the military intelligence communities things like that i've always been an extremely liberal social person i've been very liberal in my personal life and i've been very liberal in my education coming from the system and so watching videos pushing back against the new world agenda seeing it as an agenda for the first time it didn't endear me to it but i saw it in a new world agenda i owe that to the world agenda jeff c is the kind of helping me open my eyes and to not mindlessly accepting propaganda obvious propaganda and seeing the obvious international propaganda. And I, I'm not saying that his, his work was the most profound, but definitely the, he was definitely one of the loudest against things like the Flat Earth Society, uh, things like that PSYOP, um, calling out creators for the PSYOPs they were, calling out the a level of disinfo engines, and seeing that the world of conspiracies was as subject to the New World Order's manipulation through deep undercover agents called uh, Pro uh, agents uh, promoting things like uh, basically far-left extremism, uh, LGBTQ, uh, anti-family uh, propaganda, etc., Then yeah, I was very interested in following his his videos, his, his, his career, as his channels were canceled, as they were blocked and his videos deleted from the years as, as time would go on. Granted, this is already only five years, but it feels like a lifetime. Um, and I had my own life going on and, and he wasn't really my favorite channel. So I'd see him subscribe to his feed, subscribe to his channels, see him in the feed. I'd watch them. I remember watching them as they came out. See, for five years, watching his videos. Jeff C. Lives, Jeff C. Uncensored, Supreme Lord Commander, New World Agenda, etc. Being there along for the ride. Giving him, a, like, the time, giving a, being his audience and everything like that. Supporting it, seeing how popular he was, being inspired by his success, seeing that it was a positive thing for the community, um, and I got it. I, I definitely agreed a lot with his perspective of things like the disinfo agents of the Infowars, Alex Jones. Um, definitely he's taking a stance on lampooning and satiring Alex Jones. 
absolutely agree with that. What felt like was occurring, though, in the last two or three years was a de-escalation of the intensity that he had previously, um, as well as a kind of stagnation when it comes to the, the, the real variations, the points he was making, the real variations of his videos and the, the approach he was taking, and really the impact and the importance of it. I think it became more of a self like it was a plateaued um, project of, of making these videos where I think that even now we are entering into a world of new age revivalism, the great psychic awakening where conspiracy theory theorists now are able to connect with and reach more people than ever before with their message of truth, with their messages of hope and inspiration and information. And the the audience that he was able to reach was very, very large compared to what anyone can really hope to reach given so much competition, so given so much uh, personalities, given so many personalities inside this field, and given the small amount of you know, society that's actually woke and willing to engage in this and willing to support this kind of material. So, this is going to lead to the controversy of his death. Because, he said, I liked his channel, I respected his creativity, I respected his uh, his productivity, his uh, very serious nature when it came to presenting the material that he was passionate about and himself, as well as his apparent dedication to reaching out to the masses, his audience, with his own opinions, because not only was he deplatformed and blocked many times, he was, you know, tenacious in, in his uh, returns and his commitment to trying to re regain his, his uh, foothold by re-uploading old videos, etc. Now, I know as controversial as he was in life, he was is going to be controversial in death. This is the start of it. I hope this is the start of a lot of discussion. And I hope this doesn't get immediately swept under the rug. Um, I hope this isn't forgotten because of the, the obscurity of the details. Because I believe the mystery is in the obscurity of the details themselves. So, if you don't know, Jeff C. was found dead, or discovered dead, after... It, the details are very scary. After complaining of a migraine, which was a chronic condition of his, apparently he had a history of migraines, he complained of a migraine, he cut one of his live chats, I believe on Patreon, short, and uh, which was uncharacteristic of him, but understandable because he was suffering from a migraine. Um, then he was scheduled to have another live discussion, live chat, live group, um, again, that later that day, he, you know, missed that deadline. Uh, people were worried about him, specifically a channel called Really Graceful. And Really Graceful is a close professional friend of his. 
a YouTube creator named uh, Really Graceful. So she did some investigation, sleuthing on him, realized he hadn't made any social media or any kind of announcement, thought that was uncharacteristic and worth worrying about, came into contact or, or somehow got to send a mutual friend to Jeff C.'s actual residence. A longtime friend of Jeff C. somehow reached out to him, contacted him, mutual friend went out, so it's not her, but someone went out, because he lived in Canada, right? So went out to his residence in Canada, discovered a suspicious scene. His lights were on, his doors were locked, his cars were in the driveway, unresponsive to any kind of attempted contact, knocking, etc., they called the police for a wellness check. The police entered, found Jeff C. deceased. Apparently, no evidence of foul play. Immediately recognizable. Um, and this was a fat- fatal, chronic thing, apparently, by all, by all intents and purposes and natural causes. Now... There was obviously no announcement made from him that he was suffering ill if this was a sudden death situation. But it seems very suspicious that they, there's a lot of factors to it that are, that are very suspicious. One, the, the scan amount of evidence, the scan amount of uh, any kind of news on it, but the fact that YouTubers are already making videos on it. I learned about this from Red Silver J, for example. Another longtime YouTuber and truther um, from that 2010 to 2015 era and onward. Um, long time, apparently, uh, peer of Jeff C and communicator with him. So apparently he discovered it, you know, pretty, pretty close to source, then uploaded a video on YouTube about it. Kind of befitting that someone who lived as a content creator on YouTube reach in and, you know, express himself via YouTube is then declared dead on YouTube via YouTube. He had never shown his face, which Red Silver's J said was to his credit, but also leads to the possibility that this individual was actually an undercover agent, a uh, Pro agent himself, which J, Red Silver J, and I, I will hopefully try to leave, remember to leave up a link to the Red Silver J video because it's very interesting that there's a lot of like, you know, uh, truth speak basically where when trying to explain the situation one inevitable uh, one inadvertently tells the truth and he's saying things like Jeff C associated with COINTELPRO you know YouTube agents disinfo agents double agents which Red Silver J thought was concerning enough to kind of distance himself from Jeff C in his later point in life, right? So Jeff C is a very enigmatic figure whose life decisions were very concerning to another conspiracy truther figure. And if we were to consider Red Silver J is legit, that this legitimate voice of reason has begun to distance himself from Jeff C due to the affiliation with these rather 
disingenuous and, and, and duplicitous parties, right? These intelligence officers. So Jeff C. is either possibly a victim of these people, murdered as a real martyr to his cause, deeply infiltrated by double agents, spied upon, investigated, and he silenced because of his persistence upon uh, seeing his vulnerabilities, maybe even poisoned over time, or hit with some kind of sonic weapon, um, which would produce an aneurysm or a cardiac arrest. They call it a Venus gun. Now... When thinking about that, one can also then say it's very easy that to retire an undercover agent by just simply claiming that undercover agent, their persona, their cover, uh, passed, died, basically. Just what happened to Vinny? Oh, Vinny had a heart attack. It happens. He was just sitting on a toilet, had a heart attack, found him on a toilet, dead. Oh, we're going to have a funeral? Nah, he wanted to be cremated. When did it happen? About a week, like three weeks ago. So like, oh, it already happened like three weeks ago. So you should, you should contact your friends more type thing. And really, Vinny is, a, is an undercover DEA agent who, you know, just kind of approached your family. And because and, these people are very, you know, career criminal type people. And over the course of five to ten years, kind of got close to you as a co-worker and, a, you know, maybe potential neighbor or something. And then that's why you're like, oh, what happened? Oh, we died. And then someone's living in the house. Some new, some new person's living in the house. And you're like, oh. Because people don't forget, people forget that this stuff has been going on since the, you know, 70s? 60s, 70s when they started the Witness Protection Program. So, exactly. Like they just gave him a new identity. He's probably living somewhere else now. I'm pretty sure... In fact, that's most likely the case, is that he was a Canadian disinfo agent that was an original OG um, disinfo agent on YouTube. His politics and his issues, which he was trying to um, suppress, were the, I guess you call it the, the popular revolution of the popular cultural revolution, the psychic revolution of people um, stepping into their own godhood, stepping into their own light power, being a very conservative traditionalist, a patrician, uh, and gaining favor of the right wing that way. He was also staunchly anti-flat earth. So, yes, the flat earth movement was a psyop, but there is more truth to the flat earth movement's questioning of the establishment's scientific cartography. They're, they're, they're what they're telling us. Like, there's more to the mystery that deserves a dignified investigation instead of uh, contrarian, inflammatory, ad hominem levels of attack, which his videos were very famous for. I viewed him more as a comedian, as a, like, a inflammatory shock jock in the world of conspiracy. And there are many, many figures in the world of conspiracy which are, who are very, very popular. I'm talking over 100,000 subscribers. I'm talking uh, self-supporting as personas uh, over numerous years. 
on YouTube strictly through the platforming, through the, the access to that platform. And uh, developers of websites, developers of social networks, through the brands, uh, for having been quote-unquote canceled and the most censored man on YouTube, he sure was the most one of the most successful long-term, um, you know, conspiracy theory personas or truther personas. So, show you that, that he was the most hated man in the kayfabe world of YouTube. So, just like how professional wrestling has its bad guys you know, that are hated by everyone, yet still receive checks and, you know, HR privileges, like, like you know, their retirement packages and things like that, like, they're still co-workers, like, they're still, like, it's, it's kayfabe, it's all illusion, uh, it's illusion that's run through psychology, and the psychology of uh, opposition, and um, it's easier for them to identify what people believe by giving them what they want to believe and seeing who shows up. Catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar, for example, right? And so, degrees that these Sinfo agents are very, very much in the vein of um, kayfabe wrestlers, where... YouTube hates them, YouTube cancels them, blocks them, but doesn't outright ban them or any incarnation thereof of their work. They do so because of violations of community guidelines. But in also doing so, they support and allow the continuation of their efforts Because they mutually profit from it. Because they mutually benefit from each other's existence. Jeff C. benefited from the YouTube as a platform. And appreciated their wide-ranging audience enough to support himself and to create his own persona, his own brand. Uh, whether intentional or not, he did more to stagnate and to, to limit the possibilities of discussion um, with his traditionalist outrage, with his contrarian ad hominem views, and he did more to poison the well. Regardless of his true affiliations or identity, regardless of his true um, um, loyalties, he did more harm to the conspiracy movement than good by making it more about the persona, the personality and the uh, the opinions of individuals much the same way that he would satirize Alex Jones he himself was a walking satire to that idea of men who fear change and seek to create um,
monsters out of you know monsters out of mankind basically it, it was something that when I was younger in 2015 2016 that in my 20s that I found hilarious the idea of contrary that's why I, I viewed him as a stand-up comedian uh, much in the same way as I like Dan, Doug Stanhope and I like Andrew Dice Clay and I like like you know people who give voice to their outrage Sam Kinison um, I can appreciate that on a human level I like that you know I like salt I like that kind of um, humor a blue blue collar working class man I like that kind of vitriol that kind of outburst right now now I see it as when you really add it up he may not have woken anyone up to anything more than the outrage they had in their hearts to begin with he may have caused a lot more strife by um, intimidating outsiders from looking in you know, instead of knocking on the door of truth, he, they heard the yelling from inside and and decided to, to seek solace and peace elsewhere, which is a shame. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the same message over and over again for years without any forward momentum or development. I believe that the last of his videos that I watched were <clears throat> literally his 33 levels of deception and his 33 things that made us smile in 2020 um, recap, uh, kind of crit criticism of it. And it was the same information that you would have found on New World Agenda or Supreme Lord Commander um, at any point in time. That, that was his message. It was consistent. It was, it was, you know, on target. But it was simply, look how... Look how dumb they think we are. Look how weak they want us to be. Um, I believe he made fun of a fat girl who played, or a fat woman who played uh, flute on some kind of award show. It, do you see how it's very much just like surface level bullshit? To be honest. So yes, that, that's what I kind of feel it was. He was very much the the. He was very much one of the best people to watch if you're into the surface level uh, controversies and and that kind of outrage of the ego. But once you start really looking for enlightenment and gnosis, you realize that Jeff C. was probably more of a chaos agent or an agent of chaos than anything else. And this sudden, mysterious death, which is very you know very much um, controversial in its, its lack of details and and uh, affiliation with with disclosure between YouTubers who made themselves maybe double agents and disinfo agents also we know that a lot of major YouTube studios are in Canada this, this could all be a studio act. This could all be like, hey, we're retiring Avril Lavigne. And Avril Lavigne is not a real, or ever has been a real person. It's a studio act. It's a persona. It's a company. It's an LLC. 
you know, and this Jeff C., the commander, has basically realized that it's probably best just to cash his chips, especially since the social revolution, the, the psychic revolution of 2020 is so manufactured by the New World Agenda that it simply doesn't need the dissent anymore. After 10 years of dissent, it doesn't need any more playful, you know, self-created dissent or controversy. It's just going to accept that it, this is the new world, this is the new order. Obviously, people have already been beaten into submission, and those people who are on the fence have decided to go with the, submissive, the, the submissives because uh, they see that the uh, aggressive people like Jeff C are just so stagnant and uh, small-minded. You know, vocally so. So that's why, same thing with Alex Jones, that once they realize that Alex Jones is hurting the truth community, no matter how much truth he speaks through his buffoonery and through his outrage and his antics, his antics then counter-antics or antics by the people for the people are equally as destructive to message, distracting, and, um, um, you know... The spoiling, basically. Uh, I like alliterations. And that's my news and impact on a review of uh, the situation where Jeff C. is dead. Like, that's basically my two cents on it. Uh, may not be the most exciting. You know, I, I don't I really necessarily want to kiss his ass on it. I just said, that, hey, Jeff C. was real. He was existed. He had multiple channels. He has mysterious death circumstances. Uh, people will be talking about it probably for at least a month, maybe two more. Uh, it'll be something that easily go down the rabbit hole later on, though, as, as the facts become even more mysterious. Okay, so moving on. I got my notes here. Let's see. Um, political news. Oh, also, by the way, this, this new episode is called uh, North, East, West, and South. That's my uh, new segment episode. It's called Rumors of Instinct, North, East, West, and South. Political news. Uh, India and China are going to war, so expect trench-style warfare in the Himalayas and island meat grinders in the Southeast Asian Sea, uh, slash the Eastern Indian Ocean, uh, specifically archipelagos uh, below Malaysia and, I want to say, Bangladesh. Those will be uh, front lines as India and China throw, I'd say millions, I'd say hundreds of thousands. I want to say hundreds of thousands because technology has improved, but also limited the amount of people who can be actually engaged, you know, effectively, efficiently, due to these countries possessing millions and millions of disposable people. It's actually going to be a hybrid of cost-effective slaughter of your own citizens, you know, versus extremely advanced weaponized technology, weapon technology. Um, So, yeah, that's going to happen. My prediction is this war will take place relatively quickly. Within the next um, five years, but it'll definitely be positioned on the Himalayas and that archipelago chain of the East China or Southeast China Sea. 
I guess we call it Southwest China Sea, Eastern Indian Ocean. Um, I also predict Hong Kong will start protesting again. Hong Kong will start protesting again after the uh, COVID restrictions continue. And uh, their protest will be seen once again as a flashpoint for uh, anti-Chinese activity in the area, especially with that of Taiwan. And last year was the largest escalation of hostilities between um, I guess you call it the free peoples of Taiwan, the capitalistic nation of Taiwan, and um, the communist China mainland that has occurred since the 1960s. Like, it was a major flashpoint, and more so the probable start of World War III is Taiwan and Hong Kong than um, Iran will ever be. I believe that this war will be the beginning of the end for the the ruling faction of the Communist Party right now. Not the Communist Party itself in China, but definitely Xi Jinping and probably even the end of Modi's popularity and leadership in India. I also believe that this future war that I predict will happen within five years will see a lot of proxy fighting by the United States and Africa and will also probably see the detonation of a nuclear torpedo either as a highly publicized deterrent or as a legitimate military attack kept clandestine um, by the United States Navy and it will be done so in anger a legitimate launching of a nuclear torpedo in anger by the United States Navy possibly to destroy a large amphibious invasion fleet to the island of Taiwan or a security point close to say uh, a sudden attack or a planned invasion of Diego Garcia which is a United States uh, base located in the Pacific Ocean both would warrant the the use of a nuclear armed torpedo And like I said before, nuclear-armed torpedoes will be a reality of naval warfare for the next hundred years. As an actual, you know, actual weapon being deployed and used by by multiple nations, including independent rogue states and terrorists, as well as independent uh, corporate uh, merchant marine fleets, things like that. So basically, get ready for that. Uh, As, say, for example, colonization on the seafloor increases... Nature news. Okay, so this leads to nature news. We can see them. Eh, probably not. Okay, so nature news. The Pacific Ocean is so large it can contain every continent on Earth inside its perimeter with room to spare. See how that kind of leads into the nature news of the Pacific Ocean? The Pacific Ocean is our natural deterrent towards all strikes on the U.S. mainland, although I do believe that the threat of incoming Chinese missiles will be um, a huge, huge international political point in the next 10 years, 
starting with this hostility. So as hostilities increase in between India and China um, on the Asian mainland, United States politicians, especially hawks, will uh, begin to fearmonger using the Chinese missile strikes on California, Hawaii, uh, and Alaska as uh, you know, as big talking points. Conspiracy theorists on YouTube, social media, etc., will be speaking about possible Chinese attacks. Uh, they are already speaking about possible Chinese attacks through Canada, through Michigan. For example, like Red Dawn scenarios. So, uh, be in mind that the Pacific News, uh, Pacific Ocean News, is more so about the relevance of what separates, uh, you know, east and west. The Pacific Ocean is so large it can contain every continent on Earth inside its perimeter, with room to spare. You can fit Asia, North America, South America, Africa, Australia, Antarctica, and Europe all within the Pacific Ocean and still not fill up its area. It's so large that the Southern Hemisphere only has 6% of land compared to the combined South Atlantic, Indian Ocean, and Pacific Ocean. When I speak about the nuclear torpedoes I envision being used, it is because the majority of the Earth's resources military and manpower are going to be shifted towards the oceans for this next hundred years. The last frontier is not discovery of lands, but the discovery of tappable resources found in marine environments, such as the sea floor mining, such as uh, sustaining uh, sea-based fish farms, etc., and eventually, like Sealandia kind of uh, before it, independent corporations and nations will operate like nations from strongholds built into the ocean, such as linked oil rigs to form uh, gigantic metallic uh, urban structures. Uh, artificial islands, um, fleets of cruise ships which can serve as domiciles for workers, etc. As well as seafloor colonies. Yes, exactly like Rapture. And that'll be the new battlefield. Those will be the new battlefields. Surprisingly enough, uh, for the 21st century. Because even though the ocean is large enough for literally everyone on Earth, um... You know, war never changes. Absolutely never changes. Hopefully, though, that does lead into a post-scarcity economy as we realize that every single frontier on Earth is accessible by mankind and masterable by mankind, and thus leading into a new age of scientific... Um, liberation almost as people seek to reach their maximum potential of discovery via technology in the oceans returning once again to a marine environment that we originated from this I believe in the aquatic ape theory 
very much so. Also in nature news, a fireball was filmed entering Earth's atmosphere over Yuzhan City in China with a flash so bright it momentarily turned night into day. It is the brightest recorded object to enter into Earth's atmosphere in 2020. It's totally not a crashing space station. Totally not a crashing spaceship from their uh, rumored independent secret space program which is operating independently from the Solar Warden to fulfill their own interests um, in space, much like a rogue ICC slash Solar Warden slash Lunar Marxists faction that I speak about on my channel. Um, and I guess I will be doing a video on this rumored Red Dragon fleet. It's a completely Han Chinese, uh, Chinese uh, communist slash imperialist supremacist uh, fleet seeking to create independent uh, territories, empires um, specifically to try to create Shangri-La in outer space and they seek that uh, they seek that basically when their revelation comes they'll have enough uh, fourth planning and strategy to, to quickly carve out um, using Earth's geopolitics. They were kind of excluded. They were heavily excluded, almost entirely excluded from all SSP contracts, treaties, and relationships with extraterrestrials in this last 20th century. Uh, they are going to try to create their own and have already come into contact with both reptilian and gray um, elements to form confederations with and gain technology, which helps the creation of their ships. Um, but they seek to set themselves apart ideologically from the ICC and Solar Warden. It's a very interesting concept. This also in news, scientists still do not know exactly how Venus flytraps trap flies, how they get their leaves which have evolved into jaws to close the actual physical mechanism. It is an unknown process. Research to try to discover it has only speculated that a movement of water and ions act as blood and force the plant cell structure to perform like a muscle and it reflects into a closing position. But still, the operation, the process, and the mechanism remain mysterious, remain undiscovered, is unknown. So, even in the humble uh, Venus flytrap, which is a extremely well-known and common um, native to America, like like native plant, that our scientists are at a loss to explain its carnivorous abilities. Not the process of why it's carnivorous. We understand that. But the actual modus operandi of how it performs this predation is a mystery. Regardless of lab condition, regardless of the ability to crack its DNA and to, and to explore its many um, anatomical features at our leisure, it is still very much a mystery. 
Hold on one second. Oh darn. Oh well. Exactly. So I'll have to do the audio for the podcast on a separate thing. I've never really figured out why when I record from the iPad, sometimes it does that and it absolutely infuriates me. But at the same time, you just gotta roll with the punches, you know. This is why I'm doing two recordings because I get the the ability to replay it. Absolutely upsetting though. Frustrating. Crypto botanists have reported the existence of flesh-eating thorn brushes and man-eating trees for centuries. Hold on one second. Hopefully you guys can get this on. You're in too. Oh, we got Mr. Electronic Warfare platform flying around up there. There'd he go. Oh, he's in the clouds. See, as I, it turns off whenever this guy shows up. Hopefully you can hear the, the jet. This white Learjet. Absolutely annoying. It appears high on the altitude and turns off the, uh, the iPad's recording software. I have no idea how it does that. Every time it flies over the iPad, uh, loses its recording, and I had an hour's worth of recording material. Which is now in a, in retrievable. <clears throat> the crypto botanists have long speculated the existence of man-eating trees, thorn brushes, um, etc. Fields of mushrooms, for example, that might exhibit predaceous habits and abilities. Long considered ridiculous. Long considered um, the most wild of wild tales. The fact that the Venus flytrap, which is a known and discovered species of plant, can be scientifically analyzed and studied but still contain the mysteries that aren't accessible yet to mankind, that aren't understandable yet to mankind. There's no way for us that, like, shows you that speculative botany, speculative botany in the form of cryptobotany still has relevance, still has importance. And that the evolution of plants is as complex as the evolution of uh, terrestrial zoological life forms, such as um, everything from bacteria to multicellular advanced life forms, such as mammals. And that just simply the, the ability to retrieve and to contain specimens does not unfold the mysteries of the world. Just like the ex- the ability to see and to witness doesn't settle the debate or prove to skeptics or denialists anything about the real world. Okay, new finds. Oh, sorry about that. Entertainment news. 
Tenet and Wonder Woman, 1984. Okay, sorry. I watched Tenet and Wonder Woman, 1984 over the holidays. Both suck. Hollywood's dead. That's my entertainment news. They're not trying. They knew the, the theaters would be closed. I think Christopher Nolan didn't. I believe he put more effort into his film. At the same time, it is uh, predictive programming at its core, much the same way Inception was. But he knew it was a quick cash grab trying to meet the production window of the end of a traditional industry. He is probably both the best cinematographer and the worst overall modern director of all time. He's extremely overrated. Uh, his films are gorgeous, but the other, you know, just all the effects of his production values and his casting choices are absolutely atrocious. And the plots are um, increasingly convoluted to the point of absurdity. Yes, predictive programming was there in the forms of time travel and non-linear um, time. Totally agree. That was really brave and daring of them to do that, but once again, Doctor Who has done that, done that better, and done that um, with a greater explanation and attention to detail uh, to actually achieve a clever gimmick of time in, in films. Um, time travel usually does breed great science, science by British uh, programming elements because time is a manipulatable uh, field of, of energy and of being and is manipulated in the higher echelons of the military industrial complex. I absolutely do respect the idea of including um, higher level organized crime in the idea of global uh, futuristic terrorism and the military industrial complex's creation of top secret weapons that manipulate the time fields and quantum paths of um, not only the whole world, but you know, you know, not only the targets, but the whole world. This is if a nuclear weapon with reverse uh, time travel capabilities is deployed, it would affect the past, and you'd basically be nuking the past and changing the future, etc. And that the, that the uh, occupying agent of the tenant is a time cop, is a time policeman. He's a men in black, basically. Get it? I love it. I love that part. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the sound production, the casting choices, etc., the confusion of the script writing, the weakness presented thereof, which is why I say Christopher Nolan, you could hand him gold and he'd turn it into garbage um, because it would still be gold garbage, you know? So, yes, I appreciate the predictive programming and the, the disclosure. I appreciate the disclosure. Uh, I, I obviously love predictive programming and media, but Christopher Nolan is by far one of the worst directors I've ever seen handle a project like this. Same for Inception. Same for Inception. Absolutely great premise. Love the the uh, the predictive programming aspect of it, the disclosure aspect of it. Terrible execution. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Allergies. Um, it's uh, it's pollen season, kinda. It's more of like it, we don't really have dead leaves, or we don't have a lot of leaf changes. We have seasonal trees, and it, it's kind of pollen. I've also done a lot of planting, and so 
where I'm getting a little more flowers and things like that coming in. Pollen, right? And that's why I was like, oh, it sucks to have a hay fever or, or to have pet allergies and the, the era of fucking pandemic bullshit because you're like, oh, I'm allergic to cats. And people are like, oh, my God, you are you got the fucking flu. And you're like, I'm allergic to cats. <laughs> Which hilariously, I kind of am. I just, you know, the cure for being allergic to cats is just to play with as many cats as possible. Then it's just rub them all over your face because that's the only way your body is going to develop any kind of immunity to it is to keep constantly exposing yourself to various levels of what you're allergic to over time. And so when I was a child, I used to just get this this horrible uh, stuffiness and, and like basically face swelling up when I was around cats. Did not make me hate cats. I love cats. I appreciate cats the most. So that's what I'm saying. You have to kind of go through these things, embracing, uh, embracing what makes you hurt. That's why I like watching um, these productions, even though uh, these movies, these entertainment things. As long as I know I'm going to be disappointed, this is not new to me exactly. I just appreciate building the immunity to this bullshit, and I have built an immunity to Christopher Nolan's bullshit. I've also built an immunity to the sensationalism surrounding superhero films and Wonder Woman 1984. I appreciate for what it was trying to do. I appreciate the tone of its execution. Because DC is much different than Marvel. And I appreciate they're trying to distinguish themselves visually. But I also believe that they have unfortunately dug in their own casket with their need to be in the same interconnected discussion or philosophy or genre of filmmaking between the the capes they they call them capes when you include superheroes now it must be relevant to a discussion of this entire genre can't just stand by itself i think that maybe a movie was the wrong execution for this particular film wonder woman 1984 I do believe, though, it was entertaining. It was boring and, and lame in that aspect. I, I'm, these are not my favorite films at all. Um, but the first Wonder Woman was also boring and lame and, and, and kind of sucked and was ultimately very disappointing. DC has been ultimately very disappointing. Um, it's because they failed to achieve the correct uh, as early on. Now that's the same thing with this one is that it's trying to recreate and reinvent itself with an aesthetic of the 80s 1984 uh hitting on that vaporwave type aspect of things um but i don't think it goes hard enough because it still has to be connected to the previous installments and i don't think it goes far enough with the whole aesthetic vibe of currency which is like this retro futurism um so much so that even though it's in the 80s and that a majority of their audience may have been born around 1984. Many of their audience didn't survive, didn't actually have to live, didn't actually have to experience the real life of 1984. The political life of it, the, the intrigue of it, the espionage, they say of the Cold War. Making a Cold War movie these days while trying to link it to the discussions and the controversies of like films which don't exist in the Cold War creates an irrelevant story immediately 
And that's what I kind of feel was Wonder Woman 1984. Irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. Didn't have anything politically to say. Didn't have anything to add to movies, to the genre, to the superhero tropes, to the, the action sequences. Nothing was relevant. Everything was irrelevant. It was absolutely a waste of time. It could have been done as a miniseries. Um, it, things that have been given much more attention. Uh, plot, pull, you know, plots could have been worked and explored a lot more. While also admitting to itself that it's not really an important enough installment to compete with such big budget and big name um, um, I don't know, circumstances? Because as I say, this movie had a $200 million budget. You have to realize that this was not worth $200 million. This is not a project that's worth $200 million. You, that's what I'm saying. Like it was not an irrelevant. It was not a relevant uh, film for the amount of effort that was put into it. I know that's really weird. Same complaint I had with Shazam in 2019 was that uh, it it was really well done, but it was ultimately an irrelevant story because no one could really give a shit about it like you can't expect to get excited in the context of conversations you know with a really well made superhero movie after 10 years of this bullshit being rammed down our throats more than 10 years now it's like 13 years since the first Iron Man film came out in 2007 that's what I'm saying so like really after 13 plus years of superhero movies this is an irrelevant irrelevant entry and it becomes one of the greatest... Because I watched it with my family. Because obviously it's a family movie. That... That is absolutely irrelevant. And it's, it, they loved it. Because they are irrelevant to the conversation of actual superhero movies. And it's not just to be mean about it. But it's to uh, really point out this is a superhero movie. Not for people who like this genre. And not for people who really care about this at all. It's just a movie to watch. As you say, it could have been on HBO Max. It could have been on Netflix, and it would have been um, it would have been more exciting because it would have been like, oh, they're they releasing a major superhero film, a big budget superhero project on Netflix or on uh, HBO Prime or, or you know Hulu or you know because uh, or Amazon Prime, sorry, HBO Max because a different lower key. Um, distribution would have been more exciting for a film this irrelevant of take to exist. This is absolutely just uh, filler. This is just filler. This is just to remind people that these intellectual properties exist. This is just to explore uh, the advertising potential that they have and just to kind of test the waters to see if any any future movies would be a wise investment on the studio's part. And I believe that because there'll never really be a death nail in the idea of female empowerment superhero films. They've been around since I was a child in the 90s with Xena and everything in the 1998. Even X-Files in some part was a superhero. Uh, or the idea of like the, the, the female heroine and that was extremely popular. It always has been. Uh, Terminator, for example, was in the late 80s. What I do feel, though, 
is that this is going to be a step back from the idea of overpowering female figures and characters, specifically with the criticism of uh, Cheetah, Chitara, uh, the Cheetah Lady, and, and that you can make a villain incredibly powerful at the same time have them really not pay off at all because they are they have plot armor because of their female orientation so even though they are the quote-unquote bad guy ultimately like this whole movie is irrelevant that is irrelevant because they are women and you know this they have this plot armor um, and so i feel like this will really be a kind of like a lesson learned is that you can't just say um because I don't think any any of their films in the radical feminist agenda have, have been successful. And I believe without the possibility of just widespread theater release, um, it might pump the brakes. It might definitely pump the brakes on um, and change the landscape of superhero movies moving forward. So it's irrelevant in all the ways it didn't want to be. And the only relevance is its irrelevance you know the only thing that's not disappointing is how disappointing it is and that's the entertainment news new finds again I'll be closing up the segment with new finds where I speak about uh, things I've discovered on YouTube or on social media recently that I feel like should be talked about or should be watched new topics new trends new conspiracy theory topics etc that I'm going to explore this last segment, New Finds, is about Generation Z. Generation Z is a YouTube channel, a content creator, who uh, apparently releases a podcast on Spotify and iTunes and Anchor as well. Um, or Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I believe, is the two things that he's said on his videos. Uh, as well as releasing YouTube videos regularly with a conspiracy espionage military angle which i identify with i find really interesting and really appreciate and he's a very straightforward low budget lo-fi speaking directly into the mic speaking directly into the the single uh single angle uh camera and just addressing new obscure top secret generally military type cover-up uh material uh, projects, operations, clandestine activities, uh, the, the Majestic 12 type stuff, the Area 51 type stuff, the Stargate stuff, uh, type stuff. Is it revolutionary? Not really. Is he an insider? Not at all. But coming from an angle where I understand, I appreciate the genre, having this new voice speaking and gaining popularity is refreshing it's inspiring that i myself started this channel's conspiracy angle this year this channel started this year as well um this channel has gained uh quite meteoric popularity over the last few videos but if you look at his portfolio you can see that some of his videos don't have 100 views and that's very authentic to me like i said i like promoting amateur obscure independent creators I like promoting them because I am one myself. I consume this material and thus can criticize the material from a, uh, a, a fan-like perspective as well as a creator peer, peer level. And I absolutely am entertained by this guy. 
I'm entertained by his videos. I am entertained by the subjects he's speaking about. I think that they're incredibly relevant, and I like the fact that someone else gets it. That these are the things that should be talked about. That I try to talk about. And it inspires me and kind of keeps me on my game that I need to talk more about. So Generation Z, highly recommend this channel. Um, I'll leave a link below and I'll be trying to contact this person, try to get him on an interview for my podcast or something. Um, definitely, definitely uh, recommend it regardless of what how he replies because he said from this point, it's authentic in my opinion that this channel, Generation Z, is someone to watch in the future. I'm very interested to see where his channel goes and, and who he develops into as a persona. Is I'm not going to marry the guy, but at the same time, I'm just saying, hey, if you're watching this, go check out his channel. I'll leave a link below. Definitely worth your time if you're interested in the SSP, if you're interested in the top secret military, espionage, uh, New World Order, uh, undercover, stuff they don't want you to know type world. Um, if you were a fan of all-time conspiracies, etc., back in the day, definitely Generation Z is a new project, new channel operating since this year in that vein, in that tradition, in that genre, of which I am one. So, definitely, definitely recommend Generation Z. Uh, leave the link below. And that has been the first segment, the first pilot episode of North, East, West, and South, the news segment with Rumors of Instinct 1987 from the Rumors of Instinct podcast um, and previously of Rumors of War 1987 fame. Definitely check out the podcast, which I will be uploading with this episode on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Anchor, like 10 others, you know, just Google it. They'll provide the, the full list. It's not hard to find this. I recently got a message saying, oh, I'm excited that your podcast is on Spotify, but I can't find it. How can you not find it? It's rumors of instinct. You just type into the search bar and type into Google. It does, well, first thing it brings up is, is the rumors of instinct Spotify page. I've tried it on several computers. I've tried it on several logins. It's exactly, it's not rocket science. Just, just Google it. Subscribe, like, leave a comment below if this is YouTube. If you want to reach out to me and have a special guest appearance on the podcast, I have an audience of roughly 300 people currently, um, and it's growing every day. So basically, you are going to be reaching out to audiences, potential uh, viewers and supporters of yourself. That's an incentive. And as well as be given a respectful, open-minded, uh, dignified spot to speak about your passions, your interests, your studies, um, you know, providing your information in a safe and um, non-contrarian, non-denialist, uh, supportive environment, a safe space if you were. So basically, I encourage every amateur creator, independent, uh, you know, intellectual, uh, unorthodox thinker to uh, come discuss things in a you know, dignified and respectful manner. Always open to it uh, to achieve that gnosis. They said, Theosophists, all truths are truth. Uh, there is no truth greater than the truth. And uh, so, if you're an occultist, spiritualist, uh, practice a certain religion, uh, your faith, uh, New Age thinker, you know, philosopher, engineer, creator, computer scientist, etc., anthropologist, sociologist, botanists, anything. 
if you have unorthodox ideas, if you have ideas that are against the mainstream of your field, if you have um, alternative, independent uh, intellectual discoveries and uh, information to bring us, uh, you know, or are aware of it or have some kind of controversial issue that you would like to discuss, uh, you know, you're welcome aboard. Uh, reach out to me in the comment section. Reach out to me through my email, rumorsofwar1987 at gmail.com. Um, I'll also be creating a Rumors of Instinct Gmail account, too. Uh, posting that up, too, particularly for business. Uh, so very flexible with times, very flexible uh, with opportunities uh, for episodes, uh, special guest episodes a month, you know, one a week, hopefully, uh, coming up for this calendar year. So there's a lot of opportunities. Definitely, definitely look into uh, speaking with people who are academics in themselves, intellectuals in themselves, and uh, definitely look into speaking about a lot of various and, uh, you know, multi-level topics, you know, like very, very, uh, very, very badass topics to talk about, stretch, you know, test the mind, Um, really, really uh, flex that mental muscle. So yeah, thank you for supporting. Namaste and shalom. Thank you for listening this long. Um, Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very, very much. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great holiday season and having a terrific new year. Okay, thank you all very much. God bless you and your families. Peace out there in dreamland.
Why won't you be playing the game?